right, let's turn our Bibles to Mark 4.14. We have begun a series about two weeks ago about clearing our fields. Now, there is a principle in the Scripture that tells us in Matthew, the 12th chapter, that when an unclean spirit is gone out of man or when a man is born again or delivered, set free from an addiction, he must fill it with something or that addiction, that spirit is going to come back. The problem is, though it seems so simple, most people in later years fall back into addictive habits because they have not filled their life with anything other than what was there previous. So we're going to look at, we started calling it reseeding or refilling your fields in areas that you might have had bad outcomes, like marriages. You know, if I was, now this is just me, maybe I'm a little overcautious. If I was gonna marry a divorced woman, I'd wanna know if she had changed. Or I'd go to her husband and say, why'd you get rid of her? He'd say, she's mean, she's ugly, she don't like to kiss, she don't like to cook, she don't like to clean. Then I'd be saying, check out, move on down the line. And if women don't change, all they do is do the same thing that destroyed their first marriage. And men, the same way. If you're going to be an alcoholic, a drunk, you know, a wife abuser, and you don't change, get connected with God, you're going to be the same old thing in the next marriage that you're in. So just know this, honey. If somebody's thrown him away, then you know that you got somebody else's trash unless God gets involved. Oh, come on, I know that was better than you said amen. Listen, I would not get connected with somebody that had not had their life reseeded and had been changed by Jesus Christ. I wouldn't do it. Why? Because I'm going to get somebody else's problem because their problem has not changed itself. Only God can change them. Amen. That's, that's the truth. Mark 4, 14. The sower soweth the word. Next verse, keep on going. And these are they by the wayside where the word, somebody say the word is seed, it is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground. When they have heard the word, immediately they receive it with gladness and having no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction, persecution arises for the word's sake, somebody say, those things are after the seed. Immediately they are offended. The word offended simply means they forsake their faith and they abort the process. And it says, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the seed, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receiveth it, bringeth forth fruit, some thirty, some sixty, some an hundred now we're going to talk about the process of this seed 
Now, number one, people's lives are simply places that God sows seed into. Our life is like a field. Our life is like a plot of soil. Jesus said that the sower sows the word. There are different types of soil, but the sower still sows the word. And then we also understand that there are four things that if we do not keep in proper priority, they will come in and they will choke the word. And let's go back up to verse 18. And they will choke the word. We have to keep things in priority. And let's go up to 17, I'm sorry. And they have no root in themselves, so they endure for a time, but afterward when affliction, persecution. Now know that the enemy is going to attack you when you start replanting your life. Could I get an amen? You want a different harvest, you got to put something in. Amen? That's farming 101. All right. And so when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. Next verse. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, two. The deceitfulness of riches, three. The lust of other things, four. Choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. The cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things must all be kept in priority. If they get out of balance, then your seed is ultimately going to be choked. And it doesn't matter what you hear, what you know, doesn't matter anything, it's going to choke the word. Really hate to tell you this, Jesus says these words. If you don't give it a full measure of what I put in your heart, I will come and I will take back that which I gave you. Not only will I take back what I gave you, I will take more. Why? You have to be a doer. You have to be faithful to what God is saying to your life through the scriptures, through the commandments, through the statutes, as well as through his leading of his spirit. That is your responsibility. Somebody say, that's mine. Okay, good. And uh, so we begin to realize that people's lives are symbolized by the ground that Jesus is talking. The sower is a man. Somebody say, a sower is a man. Say, I'm a sower. You're a sower. Now, you're a sower, and the word sow simply means one that places, one that plants, or one that does something with seed given to him. That's what a sower is, real simple. So, man sows or can be sown with three types of words, and then he will sow those types of words. See, remember, words produce fruit in us. In other words, we are what we have been seeded with. We are the byproduct of seed, whether through our childhood, through our high school years, through college, or even through our own discoveries or initiative. But our life right now, wherever you are, is a byproduct of what you have allowed to be sown in your life. I got pulled over one time to policeman told me what I was doing wrong. I said, I didn't know that was against the law. He said, no excuse. Here's your ticket. He said, look, ignorance is not an escape mechanism for your unlawfulness. I thought, well, how do, do you know who I am? 
And God probably said, yeah, stupid, you know that. And that is true. Just because you don't know or you have never heard doesn't mean that the word and the process of sowing and reaping ceases to exist. Amen? You can be as dumb as a goose in a freezer, not knowing where north, south, or east, or west is. It doesn't matter. When south comes, it's your responsibility to head there. Yeah. Now, we're going to talk about sowing a seed. The first type of seed is this. It is the seed of Satan. Seed of Satan. It's his thoughts, his way of doing things. The Bible says that when men slept, when they stop being aware, when they neglect, then the devil, the enemy, sows into their life. Sows into their life. And so we have to stay awake because one day God's going to demand a harvest from us. And if you want to be anything different in life than you are right now, you're going to have to sow seeds. Now, you don't have to end up on the bottom. You don't have to end up in jail. You don't have to end up on drugs. You don't have to end up an alcoholic before you can transform your life. Transform it now and keep it transformed. Amen? And then the second place that man gets seed from is mankind. And that's found in Colossians, I think it's 2, 13, 14, 15, 16, that says, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived by the thoughts and opinions of men, by their philosophies, by their scientific, quote, unquote, findings and discoveries. You know, I've heard that scientists discovered that hell was in the bowels of the earth. They put a microphone down there and heard them screaming. I'd say somebody had too much pizza. It does, the Bible never says that it's under the surface of the earth. It just says it's under. It's down. Never says that it's in the center of the earth. What's in the center of the earth? Molten rock. Scientific discovery. Amen. Oh, and the Christians would get so excited. Oh, they found where hell is. I know where hell is. I know scripturally where hell is. It's at the end of a godless life. But it is no place else that man can reach. If you could reach it, they could escape it. But people want to believe something. So they believe anything. So the opinions and the philosophies of man become seed that are put into our life. How many of you have ever sent your children to college? And when they went, they were great Christians, weren't they? Lots of kids that come back from college, come back liberals. They come back people that don't even believe God. I've had people sit in front of me and cry, Pastor, my child says he's an atheist. I said, you sent him to an atheist college. What did you think was going to happen? But he wanted to go. There's so many opportunities. Well, guess what? The devil got the opportunity he was looking for. And he's been sowed with the seed process of people that do not believe in God. Well, what is the answer? The answer is you have to raise them in the admonition and nurture of the Lord. And if they are not strong enough to be a Christian without you, you put them to work at Walmart. Oh my God, I could never do that. Well, I'll tell you what, at the end of a lifetime, 
he'd trade all of those little doctorates and all of those masters and bachelors that he's got for one moment away from hell. But if he goes to hell, you can't get him out. And I'd much rather have my son or my daughter working at Walmart, checking out whether you bought the right stuff and going to heaven as I would them driving a Mercedes and headed for hell at high speed. Now you can count whatever you want, right or wrong, valuable or unvaluable, but what would a man give for his soul? Everything. Everything. And if you really believe in hell, you'll give everything too to keep them from going there. Amen. So there are three types of seeds. We are what we are because of the seeds that have been sown into our lives. A seed is this, a segment of something that will come. A seed is a picture of your future in portion. A seed is the beginning of the end of something. Now, everything produces after its own kind. You started with a seed from your mother and father. You have been born, 1 Peter 1, 2, 24, you've been born of incorruptible seed. If you're born again, you've been born of incorruptible seed that does not fade but endureth forever. It's an everlasting seed. We are the byproducts of the seed that have been sown. Could I get an amen? So we have seen that seeds are words or words are seeds. They are segments of something greater that will come. They come into your life and there is something greater than where the enemy has started sowing into your life. You think your life is miserable now? If you have allowed Satan to sow a seed into your life in your desperation, your heartache, your hurt, your failure, whatever it is, you think where you are right now is bad. When he sows a seed into you, you have never ever seen what bad is. He's come to destroy your soul. Absolutely. The Bible says this, that we must not be deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. Can we go to Galatians 6, 7 through 9? Now, the good thing about this is that you get to choose the seed that is sown. You get to choose the seed that is sown. Now, all you young guys and, and young girls, you get to run around with cussers. You get to run around with people that talk about their parents. You get to run around with drug addicts. You get to run around with alcoholics. You get to run around with perverts. You can run around with people who watch porn. You can run around with all those people. But understand this. What you run around with, you will be seated with. You will, I'm telling you, it will get in you. You can't shake it. It will get in you. It'll overtake you. It'll be a part of you. And though you want to change, you'll become its prisoner. I'm telling you right now, the Bible warned Israel, said don't go over there and marry their children, least you'll end up serving their God. And if you run around with a drug addict, one day you're going to be a drug addict. You cannot save them. You can preach to them and seed them. But whether the seed takes root or not, you are not the master of that seed. So what you have to do is you have to draw a line. 
you got to draw lines. Listen, if a girl came up to me and, and wanted to go out with me, which I used to have that problem, and then I turned 12, then nobody would want to go out with me. So anyway, but she went out with me and she started kissing me and she started getting frisky. And she started saying, well, you know, we could do this, we could do that. I'd get away from her. Why would I go and date a woman that would send me to hell at her own expense? And if she'd pull her britches down, I'm, I'm sorry, get me to pull my britches down in front of God, what would she do behind my back? Just, just a wonderment. I'm just wondering, just how deprived, if the eye is dark, how deep is that darkness? I'm just telling you. Listen, I guess you got to kiss people. You got to peck them good night. You got to do whatever you want. But that doesn't mean that your body is open to discovery to anybody that says they're a Christian and wants to violate those boundaries. Listen, they're trying to send you to hell. They don't much believe in it or don't much care for you. That's why I married Phyllis. I said, listen, it's better for you to marry than to burn. She couldn't keep her hands off me. And, and so I said, look, we, we just got to get married. I can feel the fire heating up. And all right, let's go to Galatians 6, 9. Now, I hate to talk about that, but the bottom line is every one of your kids know more about sex than you. So don't get off on me and say, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, I talked to him for just a moment. Now, we're done with that portion. But if you haven't done as good as I am, give me another offering. And you haven't, so I should be taking one. Amen. I told Nikki, you kiss somebody, it's like a switch to a computer. You'll turn on stuff you didn't even know was in there. Amen. I kissed Phyllis, and man, she's just now like a virus. You can't control her. She's everywhere. All right. All right. Deuteronomy Galatians, let's go to, yeah, 6, 7, I'm sorry. And it says, be not deceived. Don't be seduced. Do not succumb to blindness by your choice. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And he that soweth to the flesh shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due time we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be deceived. Don't be seduced by the adversary. Don't think that it won't really happen just because you didn't see it manifest tomorrow. Don't misread the long-suffering of God's love and grace for a condoning of what you're doing. Amen. Now, the seed that the believer or that the people of God sow should come from God. And God is the seed giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 10. God give a seed to the sower. Now, let me say this. If God gives seed to the sower, the first time he gives you something... He's asking you to prove yourself faithful. But if you don't become a sower, God will not continue to give you seed. Come on, it's the truth. Oh, no, God will keep giving. No, no. 
what you'll become is a parakeet Christian. All you do is quote what everybody else has already discovered. A parakeet. Is that what did I say? A parakeet. Brother said, Hallelujah, Kobayev, three times. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. I'm the head and not the tail. Moving on, hallelujah. Brother said, if I do this, now I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Brother said it worked for him. See, God hasn't even been in your conversation. Because you didn't get seed from him, you got used seed from somebody else. God is the giver of seed. Now, a list of mimics it just is not seed. Now, I keep harping on this, but I'm just telling you, we have a bunch of parakeet, parakeet. <laughs> we have a bunch of pirate Christians. Brother, wants a revelation? What saith your new book? Knowing what they believe. I think I believe this. What do you believe? Do you believe what God said and what has God said? If God hasn't spoke, shut off the three things that's choking the word and hear what the Lord would say. Amen? I've had people come up to me, give me a word, Pastor. You have a word from God? Yes. Read my scripture, saith the Lord. Oh, come on. That didn't come from Jesus. I said, neither did your request. Come on, we, let's just be real people. Amen? Quit trying to slipshot or short-circuit everything. We, we are not on a time frame. We're headed for eternity. Chill out. And when you get something, it'll be worth getting. But sell everything you have and get the pearls of seeds that God will put in your heart. You get a seed, ain't nobody can change you. The word will change you, it'll form your faith and it'll give birth to a confession. Amen, all right, moving right along. Let's go to Isaiah 55, eight through 13. Didn't we read this last week? Yes, but we get to hear it again. Your wife ever tell you anything more than once, Randy? Yes. yes then do you get it the second time she says no it takes a while <laughs> i think it takes a while to get scripture all right isaiah 55 8 for my this is god speaking through the prophet isaiah for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways saith the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and make it, maketh it bring forth bud. Maketh it. Somebody say, maketh it. I'm, I'm telling you, that's an important word. Maketh it. It doesn't matter what the devil wants. It doesn't matter what man does. And it doesn't matter what the world is programmed to do. When you plant a seed that God has given you, it will make 
it will create that which does not exist and it will make it that bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower who's the sower man who is the uh, uh what is the seed the word of god and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth it shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please and I shall and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it and ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace the mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands and it says instead of the thorn shall come up what the fir tree and instead of the briar shall come up the what myrtle tree and it shall be to the lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off notice that the word is a seed somebody say it's not natural it's supernatural it is endowed with the seed giver himself in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god now the seed of god which is the word is given to you and i it is designed and empowered by god to transform change and alter human life human life the seed has a mission somebody say a mission every seed has a mission and the seed or the mission of God is to accomplish God's will, plan, and purpose in our life. Our life. Now, verse 13 says that when you use the word of God, you can transform a life filled with the curse into fir trees and a life filled with the curse into a place of abundance myrtle, myrtle trees. Now, the choice is up to you. Somebody say it's up to me. Come on, say it again. Now, let me explain this. When I say somebody, that means everybody. Amen. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 7. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give or sow, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you that you having all sufficiency in all areas may abound unto every good work. Now, what did it say? That God expects us to give with purpose. Can I go up one verse? Every man according as he purposeth. Purposeth. In other words, Dr. Obalu, we get to determine when we sow a seed what we want in our life amen. don't sow a seed that you don't want amen and if you're going to sow a seed sow it 
with a purpose, with a plan, with a focused end in sight. So if you just nonchalantly sow, your purpose will probably begin to wane. But if you want to be something in life, purpose what you want to be. Find what God said about it and then begin to sow that seed. Begin to sow that seed. And when you start sowing that seed, God, somebody say God. God multiplies that seed, not you. God multiplies that seed. So if you and I, Randy, what would you like to see changed in your life? You like to see more finances. Okay, good. If you don't sow seeds through your mouth and sow seeds financially, as the scripture just revealed, even though you purpose that, you will never see that because it takes seed to see the end result, right? Everything produces after its own kind. And so if we don't say something, uh, Hosea, I think, Verse 10, chapter 10 says that we should sow unto ourselves righteousness. In other words, we should speak into our life what the righteous does, what the righteous uh, uh, receives from God, and what the righteous responds to. So if we are the righteousness of God, we would say, you know what? The righteous man seeketh the way of the Lord. I thank God today I'm seeking the way of the Lord, and we sow it every day. So if I went, Randy, I would find out everything God said about blessing and prosperity to me, so I'd have a seed to sow. Now, don't buy a book with seven confessions. Just, if he does that, bring him to me. Okay. Now, why? He doesn't need somebody else's chewed up seed. Please, what does he need? You need a seed from God so that when you speak to a dead area, to an area that is cursed, it can be transformed into a fig tree field. Amen? All right, so you start studying that, Randy, and pretty soon God's going to speak something to you. And when he does, remember we extract seed from the seed shed by meditation, by study, by just thinking, meditating, allowing it to go through us, saying it to ourselves, and the scriptures to ourselves, not what somebody else has said. And then what will happen is that word that's in a word will speak to you. And when it speaks to you, you've got seed. Now it is the Lord hath said. The Lord hath said. The Lord hath said. Now we have seed that we can sow. Amen? All right, so we have seed, we get seed. The other thing is this, never, somebody say never. Never be intimidated by where you are or what you're going through. Wherever you are, if it's not what you want, is the time to sow a seed. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect to start sowing seeds, you don't need seed. Seed is not designed for the perfect, it's designed for the imperfect. 
because the seed goes into people's hearts and produces 20, 30, 60, 100 fold. If you're already at 100 fold, you don't need seed. You, you, you're probably in heaven, you just haven't realized it. <laughs> just a thought. Now, let's go, let's go over to Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. That's spelled with a capital E, honey. <laughs> see, see. I had to copy it from my Bible. I didn't know how to spell it. All right. Ecclesiastes 11, 1 through 6. In other words, don't wait for everything to be right to start sowing seed. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Cast thy bread upon the waters. You know, that's a unique saying because it's talking about sowing and reaping. You wouldn't cast your bread, you would cast a seed. But because he's confident that seed never fails, he says, cast your bread. In other words, when you throw out a seed, see the end. I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Next verse. Give a portion to seven, and also to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Remember when the seed is sown, tribulation and persecution comes. You never know where the devil's going to attack, but you are persuaded he will. So just get prepared. And then it says it is, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow. He that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. In other words, you look at your circumstance, you'll never sow a seed, and when you see your circumstances, you certainly will never see a harvest. Now, next verse. And it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb, of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Last verse. In the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whither shall prosper, or whether either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. In other words, you cannot look at your life and say, how's it going to happen? If you're looking at your life and you're hopeless, there is no place to turn, Joe. There's no answer. There's no banks. There's nothing. You're, you're just broke, broke, and it looks like you're cursed and marked by the devil. Your greatest asset is your seed. If you'll sow it, you'll reap it. But if you look at the climate and the atmosphere, you'll never sow and you'll never reap. So really what we have to do is no matter what we're going through, no matter where we are, we have to right now start building a future based on the seed of God. Amen. Amen. Why? Because let me give you a great insight. Sickness is going to knock on your door one day. You better sow some seed for help. You, you understand? 
Because after you're bound, it's a whole lot harder to untie yourself than it is to protect yourself. One day, the economy is going to go awry. Whether it's a crash, whether it's the mark of the beast, whether poverty rules the world, whether America goes into socialism or, or just stays where it is, it doesn't matter. Money is not the answer, faith in God is. And if you don't start building something now, you're going to find yourself under a bunch of rubble of an economical crisis. Could it, amen, absolutely. Look, success is fine, but it disappears in one day. One day, it just disappears. Amen. One rumor, one rumor can ruin somebody. Right? It, it, look, you have no guarantees except in the unchangeable, unshakableness of God. And so what we have to do is we have to start preparing. Don't wait until you're getting your house repossessed and say, well, we need a miracle. You need more than a miracle. You need another place to live. <laughs> Hello. Now, I know where a trailer park is, but do you have enough money for a trailer park? Oh, no, no, no. We sowed our seed. Well, then we need to get you a cardboard box until your seed grows. Amen. But see, Christians want to be crisis centers. In other words, they always need a miracle. Well, I'll tell you what, I'd much rather be blessed than always begging and needing and fighting for a miracle. Amen. If somebody steals my donkey, I want to be able to buy another one. Amen. I don't want to have to borrow Bill's donkey. I want to be able to buy my own. Look, we lay up like the ant, a little by little. And be, why? Because he knows there are seasons in people's lives. He knows that things can happen in life. He knows a cow might step on his anthill. He knows Dr. Oblu might come by with a fiery torch. I killed them all. Glory, I killed them all. A thousand in one visit. Now he is the master of ant killers. And now we can do that, and you can do that if you want. But I'm just telling you, you know things are going to happen. Do something to protect yourself from it having its full purpose in your life. Amen. People want to be debt free. Why? You don't give anymore. <laughs> you get to build up more castles or more safeties in wicked money. You have faith in how much you got, not in the faith that God gives it to you. I'd rather be broke and have faith in God than rich and trust in Him. Now, the problem is people wait till they're under the boat now if i was if i have money now if you, you, you're working you have a job you need to start right now preparing and getting a seed in your mouth that god's going to bless your seed and that your house is prosperous that it's protected that it's covered by god that god is the shepherd of your household your household shall not want you need to put God's seed in the ground, not just worldly money in the bank. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, hallelujah. Now, let, let me give you 
Uh, let me give you an example. Let's go to Philippians 4. I know that you all know this uh, passage of Scripture. I just don't think we know it in its content. Second Corinthians, I'm, I'm sorry. Get your head right, Peter. Uh, what did I say, Randy? Philippians 4, 15. 19 is irrelevant unless 15 has already been activated. See, Christians go around and they say, well, God's going to meet all my need. Well, if you have seed in the ground, he will. But if you don't have seed, he's not going to meet all your need. Some of you get mad at me. Well, brother so-and-so said, tear a page out of that book because it's not true. Somebody told me, well, you, you can, I'm going to live by my giving. It's impossible. You don't work, you don't eat. You can't live off your seed. Absolutely, that's blatant. Faith never, never replaces the gifts and the callings and the talents of God. But I can tell you where you got it. Got it from a book. That book's been around for 25 years. Think brother Jerry Seville come out with it. I'm going to live by my seed. Yeah, but he's writing you letters every month. Now, let's move right along. I'm not against Brother Jerry. I think he's great. I'm against the principles of foolish Christians. They're killing people because the people reading the book doesn't have enough common sense to understand if you don't get the same revelation, it is not going to work for you. Now, now ye Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me concerning giving, but ye only. Is that right? No, giving what? And receiving. Giving is only the half process. Receiving is the total process. And it says, for even... In Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Somebody say, there must be a pattern of giving. Thank you. There you go. Not because I desire a gift, but that I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, what is the fruit of the seed? A harvest. So he wants to see a harvest in your life. Next verse. And I have all, and I abound. I am full. I've received of Ephroditus. Wow, pretty good for on the fly. And the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell as a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. Now, next verse. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by who? Christ Jesus. Now, where did that statement come from? The seed. The seed. If you do not sow a seed, you cannot declare the end of the seed. Well, I've been saying that for years. I know. It hasn't worked. Now, some of you are about getting about half bent. Go ahead and get all the way bent. Because I'm, not, I'm just telling you, that portion of Scripture is based upon the seed that is sown. 
See, you can't speak something that is as it is not until you have got a seed from God. Then when you get a seed from God, you can speak the end, but you can't speak it without putting a seed in the ground that has come from God. Now, I'll show you one more, and then we're going to close, and, and we're, we're going to get out of here. Hallelujah. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Now, now, do you understand if you don't put a seed in, you can't claim the end result. You can't say, I'm going to heaven if you never heard the gospel and accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, you can go around telling people you're going to hell because Nikki used to introduce me when I was a sinner. She'd say, this is my dad. He smokes and he's going to hell. And I used to say, would you quit saying it? And she said, Daddy, it's the truth. I said, well, you don't have to rub it in. How'd you like it? Hello, hi, this is my dad. He's a sinner. He smokes and he's going to hell. How'd you like to have five daughters like that? Yeah, I didn't even want one. Yeah, but it was the truth. Now, 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Watch these words very carefully. At least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations that came from God. There was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, not from God, of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above his desired measure. Next verse. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace, my promises, the inheritance that I have given to you as a Christian are sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Next verse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, what's this? For when I am weak, then I am strong. How can Paul say, when I'm weak, I'm strong? He's speaking things that are not as though they are. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Persecutions and all those do, John, is reveal to me that I can't do it without God. So I declare this, because of God's grace in me, I am not weak, I am strong. Why does he say that? God gave him a seed. What was the seed? My grace. My promises, Paul, are more than sufficient to keep you. Did I not tell you that I will always cause you to be victorious in Christ Jesus? Did I not tell you that he has stripped all principalities and powers and might in spiritual places? Have I not told you you wrestle against them, but be strong in the Lord? Did I not tell you that though death came upon you, you overcame death, 2 Corinthians 1, 8, through 10. Did I not tell you 
that no weapon formed against you. Did you not state in 2 Timothy that God hath delivered me because of the many afflictions of the righteous? He brought me out of the mouth of the lion. Now, what does Paul have when God says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee? He's saying, Paul, Paul every promise I gave you will cause you to overcome all these tribulations and all that. It's not me doing anything. I've given you seed. You need to sow the seed. So Paul says, well, at the discovery of weakness, I will say I am strong. Why? Somebody say, based upon the revelation. That means everybody. Based on the revelation or the seed that God gave Paul. Now he can say, but you can't say anything until you've got something from God. Please, please spend time with God. Spend time until seed is deposited. It's not going to happen haphazardly. It's not going to happen if you let the world come in, the lust of other things the deceitfulness, it's not going to happen. It's not going, it, it's, it's not going to happen. Stop, cut off all sources of life to your soul and get a lifeline from God to your spirit. If you treat the attack of the enemy, if you treat any manifestation of the enemy as something that you can put off, one day is going to say put off has been too long and it's going to demand that you pay. If the lion is coming through your front door, that's not the time to put on a screen door. We've already got something that says the devil is going about seeking as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you know how they keep lions, the Maasai keep lions away from their cows at night, Joe? They plant hedges of thorns. And I'm telling you, they're thorns. They ain't rose bushes. Them suckers are thorns. And what they do is they plant these hedges and the lions can't get through. And so what they do is they may go around smelling the beef and the cows, but they never break through. They don't eat the Maasai because they have taken precautions to sow around the perimeters of their life. Now the devil is coming, and I'm just telling you right now, I'm not prophesying doom, I'm telling you he's already on his way. He's on his way to steal the word that has been sown. Now you need to put something in the ground to keep him from your part of the village. Start sowing what God has said about you. Amen? Start sowing what God has spoken to you. Start sowing. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was yesterday morning at 10 o'clock. I, I, I jumped in my truck. And the Lord said, son, it's time for you to get a new truck. I said, I don't need a new truck. I said, I ain't got no money for a new truck. He said, get a new truck. I said, 
no, I don't, I don't want a new truck. He said, get a new truck. So somebody called me and said, hey, you know about 10 o'clock, my wife and I was going down the road and the Lord spoke to us to buy you a new truck. What do you think? I said, that must be the Lord. Called the 10 o'clock, I was crawling into my truck and the Lord told me, you need a new truck. I didn't think I needed a new truck. But somebody needs seed and somebody needs a harvest. So I wouldn't say no to the Lord after they said that. I said, okay. They said, start looking for one and get back with us. I said, okay. So instead of taking my 15-minute nap before I come to church, I looked up trucks. I'm already going to get a white one. Four-wheel drive, four doors, five-and-a-half-foot bed instead of a six-and-a-half. Well, you don't need one. I know, but I get one. I can't help it. How many people would you say if somebody called you and said, hey, we want, we want to buy you a truck? Say, nah, no, nah, I don't want no truck. Keep your money. Now, if they would have said the money or the truck, I would have said, send me the money. Send me the money. And then I'd know that God had seen my faith, and I'd be believing for another return. God sent me another truck. I got cash for the other one. I'd be doing that. But now, see, you never know what God's going to do and when the seed's going to show up. Now, do you? Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just, what are you going to do with the old one? I don't know. Might eat it. Might make Phyllis a, an armor suit or something. I don't know. Clothes don't wear out. We just paint it every Sunday, different color. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I didn't, I'm not begging God for that. But I'm, I'm a seed sower. I'm a giver. And I'm sowing seeds all the time. And I'm sowing seeds that other people will get cars, and I get a car. I'm not going to complain. Amen? Who's hungry in here? Well, we ain't stopping this service just for you three. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, who's hungry in here? Yeah, there we go. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. Stand your feet. Hallelujah. Seed. Somebody say seed. Hallelujah. 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 Go to the seed store. Begin to meditate. Withdraw that seed from those shelves that God has placed in there. Look them up. Let God begin to speak to you and give you seed. Seed. When you speak, it'll be a seed of life. It'll be a seed of breakthrough, a seed of victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that each and every one of these teens are going to hear the word of the Lord. That, God, they're going to begin to say, this is what I want my life to look like. This is what I want my future to be a part of. God, I want to be free of alcoholism. I, I never want to be a, a partaker of drugs, God. I never want to get involved in perversions. God, I look to you right now. That God, I begin to sow my seed. I begin to meditate on your word. And when you speak something to me, God, I begin to plant it into the soils of my life. That God, I'll not be overcome by evil. God, I'll not put the evil thing before my eyes. But God, I will be a godly man, a godly man 
that walks in the fullness of the righteousness of the Lord. God will order my steps and it will lead me into the place of good men's pathways. God, he will give me wisdom that God, I will understand spiritual things. God, I will be a giver and I'll be a receiver. I'll sow seeds and I'll have a harvest. Father, in the name of Jesus, lives that have been broken by divorce. God, you can receive and change a life that God people can love again by discovering that Jesus loved you and gave his life for you. We love him because he has first loved us. You can change your life from being hell-centered to being God-centered. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the gospel is seed form, and I say unto you this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that if you would believe, you could be saved. And if you will be saved, you will escape a life of an eternal damnation. All you have to do is believe. Give your life fully to Jesus Christ with no limitation. God has seeded you from the time that you have come into this place through song, music, worship, preaching. God is here and he's sown your life. Now the question is, what will you do with the seed? Will you respond to the seed that's in your heart and say, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and I give my life to him and I confess that he is Lord of my life. I'd like everybody to pray this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I agree with the power of the cross that you have given your son and he has died for my sins. I believe he died, and on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Based upon my faith, I now confess Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I surrender all. I denounce all evil and sin. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. I receive you now as my personal Savior. Because of my faith, I declare I am born again. My life is no longer mine. It belongs to Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, if you prayed that for the very first time today, or if you've been away from God, a backslider, and you prayed it and you're coming back to the Lord Jesus, I want you to quickly slip your hand up. I want to see it. If you prayed it for the very first time, or you're praying it, a time to return. Come on, if there's a hand around you, let me, somebody let me know that it's out there. Anybody today? Okay, here, somebody else. Somebody else? Okay, if you raised your hand and you prayed that for the very first time or you're renewing your commitment to Christ, please step out of your seat and come on down here. I want to pray a prayer with you. Come on, wherever you are. Come on, young man. Wherever you are.
someone else. Here comes young lady. Somebody else. Okay, let's stretch forth our hands. Congratulations on that. Congratulations. Anybody can believe something. It takes faith and courage to acknowledge it, to accept it, and to declare it before other people. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray as a pastor of this church that God, your blessing would come upon these two individuals, that God, your hand would be upon them, that favor would go before them, that God, you would speak to them and lead them by your spirit. Let the word of God come alive to them. I ask that the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge would come upon them, that as they read, they'll begin to see the hope of your calling upon their life, the riches of the benefits of living for Christ, and the power that is on their behalf that you demonstrated when you raised him from the dead. Let them realize, God, that they have been lifted up and seated with Christ, and that, God, they're the head and not the tail, that, God, the enemy is under their feet, and victory is their inheritance. Now, God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John, do you have a book for them? All right, John has a little book for you. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Shout hallelujah. All right. Now, Wednesday night is back to school bash. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, there is a, I, I see, I don't understand this. It's, uh, what does a sternum have to do with a digestion and all that? Does it have anything to do with it? Oh, that's in the digestion. I did not know that. Okay, it's just right behind it. I, I see a damaged, what would I just say it was? Now, sternum. Uh, that's why I don't do surgery. I see a sternum that has been bruised, damaged in some way, and it has affected digestive system in your body. Now, God is healing that in Jesus Christ's name. Your digestion and your digestive system will begin to function normally in the name of Jesus, and I loose the gifts of healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I also see a growth up at the top of an ear where it joins to the head. Uh, I see it. It's about half size, three-quarter of size of a pea that is being healed right now in the name of Jesus in about four days. That's just going to be gone. It's just going to disappear. And it wasn't anything anyway. It's just disappearing. Hallelujah. And now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for your power. We ask, God, that you bless everybody that is in the house. Bless the many people, God, that are traveling, vacation, God, getting ready for school. And God, just, to, just let them know that, God, your love is with them, your presence is with them, and that, God, we love them. And, God, we just ask you to be with every person. Keep us, God, from all evil until we come together back to the house of the Lord under the name of Jesus Christ. God, use us to be the light of the world that, God, they may see Christ in us and know that he's real. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday evening.